The book of Jonah, we'll start out in chapter 1, the book of Jonah chapter 1. I won't have you stand tonight, I'll let you, let you rest a little while. Jonah chapter 1, and starting out in verse 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Rise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarsus from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarsus. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares, uh, that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. It's an odd place, isn't it, for him? It goes on and says this, So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said every one to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. They cast lots, and the lot fell on, upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause is evil, is whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou? What, what is thy country, and of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew, I fear the Lord... Uh, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land, then uh, were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. I'm going to stop reading there for the sake of time, but if you notice there's two times there you see, or actually three times you see the presence of the Lord. And that's what I want to focus on tonight is this, Jonah and the presence of of the Lord. If you would pray with me tonight. Father, we love you. We certainly want to thank you for your presence already here tonight. We thank you for your presence in the songs and just the people that are here. Father, we know that you indwell with the Holy Spirit. You're the ones that are believers and we know that you're here amongst us. And Father, I pray tonight that we won't grieve the Holy Spirit in any way. Father, I know there's some folks that aren't here, but uh, Lord, you've told us to focus on the ones that are. And Lord, we certainly need to be praying for the ones that aren't here. Uh, certainly, Lord, just asking God to bring them home to us safely, watch over them and bless them. I do pray for Pastor and all the young men and the others that are up there in Minnesota. God, will you please just bless them as I know that you already have. But Father, we're going to ask you to bring them home to us safely. Uh, Lord, I pray for the others that are sick. As already been mentioned by Brother Paul, the uh, ones that so many that are sick and afflicted right now and dealing with things, William's family, uh, Lord, the others that we uh, can't uh, remember to mention right now. But Lord, you know all about it. We ask you to bring them to us here as well. Father, again, we love you. I'm going to pray that your will will be done tonight. Father, we can't pray for anything better than that, that your will will be done. We love you. We certainly do thank you. We praise you. And we ask you just to touch us and help us, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' lovely and precious name. Amen and amen. All of us know about this story of Jonah. It's something that's all familiar to us. 
And uh, oftentimes with a familiarity, being familiar with something, sometimes we kind of tend to overlook it. I believe Brother Hill uh, last week in his message kind of talked about that. And, and sometimes even as, as a pastor has uh, been preaching on Calvary, we know for, for a good while now, and I, I don't know about you all, but I would just assume for him to continue on for the rest of the year. Uh, but I know uh, the pastor is, is, uh, has the heart of God and knows when to stop and all that, but I'd just soon keep on preaching on Calvary. But sometimes, again, just being familiar with things, we tend to overlook it. And sometimes we, we say, well, we know what the book of Jonah is all about. We, we know it's about, uh, it's about a Jonah being swallowed by a great fish. But that's not necessarily what it's all about. And we understand that. That's just one of the many different things that we can learn from the book of Jonah. Really, truly, uh, the book of Jonah is not a story of a great fish, but of a great God. Uh, you see, you see, uh, you know, God mentioned so many times, the Lord mentioned so many times through the book of Jonah. It's really truly about, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe God or the Lord is mentioned 18 times. The fish is mentioned four times. And, uh, no, excuse me, uh, God is mentioned 31 times. Noah is mentioned 14, excuse me, Jonah is mentioned 14 times. And uh, we see that the fish is only mentioned just a few times. I think it's about round six. So we see that really truly it is about a great God. I pin this down, and this will hopefully be a blessing to you here. Uh, God said no. This is just a simple outline of the book of Jonah. God said go. Jonah said no. God said oh, and the word said so. That was just a simple one there, and I did not. that was not original with me. Guess who that come from? That come from Brother Dana Williams. A long time back. Sounds like him, doesn't it? Let's get into the Word of God just a little bit more here tonight, though. What I want to do is set this, set some expectations about what we can see out of the book of Jonah here tonight. We're not going to try to cover, cover all four chapters. We're just going to try to cover a kind of hit and miss, just uh, look around it. The first thing I want to look at is with these things of expectations. Expect to see yourself in Jonah. As I studied the book of Jonah, it was amazing how many times that I saw myself in the character of Jonah. Am I the only one that does that tonight? Whenever you have a Bible character preached about, you kind of tend to see yourself in that. I see myself in Peter a lot of times, and I'm like, oh, man, that's probably not a, a good one, you know. But uh, in some cases it is, in some cases it's not. But I see myself in Jonah a lot. Jonah, what it was is he loved God, but he struggled with God. Now say that again, he loved God, but he struggled with God. He struggled with the will of God and wanting to go the right way with God. How that we are all that way. We all struggle with God sometimes. Sometimes he'll ask us to do something and we're not willing to do it. And we see that here in the life of Jonah. We see that uh, the spiritual conflict that is involved in a man of God, by the way. We all have spiritual conflicts, do we not? We all struggle with different things. Uh, what is uh, the song where it says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. We're prone to try to, our flesh wants to go away from God, not toward God. It wants to go away from the presence of God, not toward the presence of God. This flesh is constantly pulling us away from the things of God, the house of God, the word of God, prayer, just fellowship, different things. It's constantly pulling us away. We see that in the book of Romans, chapter 7, where the Apostle Paul, a great man of God, the Apostle Paul even says, he says, the things that I know that I'm supposed to do, and I'm paraphrasing, the things that I know that I'm supposed to do, I don't find myself doing those things, but the things that I know I'm not supposed to do, I find myself doing them. So we struggle there. So we expect to see ourselves in Noah. No, Jonah, I knew I was going to do that, Jonah. Yeah, if, if I say Noah, y'all just know that I'm talking about Jonah, okay? Know that. <laughs> 
So all of us, all of us, every single one of us, we have spiritual conflicts. 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus may suffer persecution. And what it says. It says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We're going to go through things. We're going to have struggles. But I'm glad that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I'm glad to proclaim to you tonight that Jesus is still on the throne. And we belong to Him. We're children of God. I, I love this song that we sing up in the choir that sometimes I forget to whom I belong. And then it goes on and says that Jesus is still on the throne. Folks, realize who you belong to. You're a child of God. If you're saved tonight, if you've been born again, you're a child of God. He's going to take care of His children. So we see the expectation is to see yourself in Jonah. But not only that, expect to be amazed at how much the Lord loves the lost. Expect to be amazed. As I read through this book of Jonah, I was amazed at all the ways that God was trying to get that messenger and the message to the people of Nineveh, even as wicked as they were. Think about it right now, folks. Think about all the ones that are, 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 are taking the Word of God all over this world. And, and think about how wicked this world is. But yet God, in all of His mercy and His grace and His loving kindness and tender mercies, He's still putting the gospel out. He's not called that Holy Spirit out yet. The rapture's not taking place yet. There's still hope. So expect to be amazed at how much the Lord loves the lost, but also this, expect to be amazed at how much the Lord loves His servants, loves and cares for His servants. I think about I'm, that song, I Must Tell Jesus, uh, He ever loves and cares for His own. There's a, that, that line is in there. He ever loves and cares for His own. The Bible still says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He what careth for you. God cares not only for His work, but His workers. God cares not only for His mission, but His missionaries. Goes on and not, not only does he care for, uh, he, he doesn't just care what we do for him, but he cares about us. And we see that in this book. How many times could God, could the Lord have just said, you know what, I'm done with Jonah. I'm done with him. I'm through with him. He has, he has went the opposite direction. How many times, folks, could me and you say that tonight, that God has given a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh chances? He just keeps on giving his chance after chance after chance. We fail him daily. There's not one of us in here tonight, including myself, that doesn't fail Him daily. And I'm, a, I, I'm, I'm very aware of my failures toward God. But I will say this, though. I'm so glad that He doesn't, every time that I fail Him, He doesn't hang it over my head. He doesn't make me feel guilty. He just says, you know what? You shouldn't have done. The Holy Spirit of God says, you know what? You shouldn't have done that. And in that verse in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm thankful that that verse is there. Aren't you? But again, expect to be amazed at how much the Lord loves and cares for His servants. He never gave up on Jonah. He gave him a second chance. It, we're over, there in, uh, over there in chapter 3, it says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying... Well, he didn't read all the way through there, but we know the story. Uh, we know that he fled away from God and got out of God's will. We know that and we understand that. Let's look at some other things just real quickly here about this thing of the presence of the Lord. We're going to get to that point in a minute, but give, let me give you just a few introductory notes and we'll move on here. Let's first look at this. We're just going to take verses 1 and 2 and 3 and maybe uh, probably just those verses and just look at them, kind of break them down as best that we can. It says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, The first thing I want you to notice is this, the power. Now the word of the Lord came. Now we understand, we all know in here tonight that that is where the power is, is in the Word of God. That is the power that me and you carry. That's the power that we have. We need to be familiar with the Word of God. 
From Genesis to Revelation, we need to know it. We need to hide it in our heart. We need to be familiar with the Word of God. That is where our power lies. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God, the dynamite of God, unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We see there, that's the power. Now the Word of the Lord came unto Jonah. Aren't you glad that the Word of God came unto you? I'm so glad that on October the 12th, 1997 at Friendship Baptist Church on a Sunday night that the Word of God came to me. You see, Brother Danny, it had came to me before. But what I did is I shunned it. I pushed it away. I said, that's not for me. That's for somebody else. I'm living too good right now. I'm too good of a young man. I, I don't do the things that, that, that they're talking about. I, I'm, I'm a good old boy. I'm a good, I'm a good guy. Folks, I tell you, and you know this as well as I do, it's not, your good, it's not being good. It's not if your good outweighs your bad, but that's where I... Would you believe that there's people that are in the Bible Belt, the South, that still believe that just so their good outweighs their bad? Just so they, just so they continually... Uh, Brother Logan, just so they continually to do good works, then they're okay, they're all right? Folks, it's not, a, it's not about our merit. It's not about anything that we can do. It's not. We don't deserve anything. We deserve hell, that's what we deserve. But that's not what we got if you're saved. Again, the power there. But not only, let's move on, I'm just so glad again that the Word of God came. But let's look at this next one, the prophet. Let's look at him a little bit. Again, really, this truly is about him. If you think about the book of Jonah, a majority of the book of Jonah is a conversation between God and Jonah. Them communicating and talking with one another. Again, I'm so glad that God talks to me. Glad he talks with me and walks with me and tells me that I am his own. But the prophet here, it says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai. That word Jonah, excuse me, the name Jonah means dove. Now, uh, majority of the way through, or, or through the book of Jonah, he doesn't act like a dove. He really doesn't. He doesn't have that kind of attitude. And sometimes me and you are guilty of that too. We don't exactly have a dove-like mentality, do we? We're more like wanting to hurt somebody sometimes. Am I the only one in here that gets road rage? I guess I'm telling on myself a little bit, ain't I? That's why I won't put one of them little fish on the back of my car. That's why I won't put a sticker that says, follow me to Bible Baptist Church. I'll tell you a real quick funny story. I'll move on. I'll make it fast because I know my time is, is getting away from me. We had a young man at Friendship Baptist Church, and he had just gotten saved. And he was, he was zealous for the Lord. I mean, he really was. He was on fire for the Lord, and we, and we appreciated that. It was wonderful. But he went and he put a sticker on the back of his, uh, he, on the back of his car, and it said, Jesus is my co-pilot. First of all, what I'm thinking is you need to move over and let him be the pilot. That's the first thing I'm thinking. But what was so bad about that is Jesus is my co-pilot. Every corner of that vehicle had a dent or a scratch or mud all over it. I'm just thinking, please don't. Just take that sticker off. Me and some of the other brothers, we wanted to go out there and, you know, when we knew it was way and take, peel that sticker off. Surprised he didn't peel it off himself by bumping into something. But the power, again, now the word of the Lord came, the prophet unto Jonah, the son of Amittai. Let's look a little bit about the profile of this prophet Jonah. He was God's man. He was God's man for this time, this time period. For a very wicked time period, by the way. Go to 2 Kings chapter 14. You may have to look in your glossary for that one too. 2 Kings 14. Hold your place in Jonah, but go to 2 Kings 14. Second Kings 14, and we'll start out reading in verse 23. Again, Second Kings 14. There we go. 
2 Kings 14, and we'll start our reading in verse 23. Again, this is about the profile of the prophet Jonah. Kind of tells a little bit about him. Verse 23 says this, In the fifteenth year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, began to reign in Samaria and reigned forty and one years. If you know anything about him, you're going to see here in a minute, he was a wicked individual, wicked and ungodly person. It says, And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. He departed not from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. Now look at this. It says in verse 25, He restored the coast of Israel from the entering in of Hamath under the sea of the plain of, according to, listen to this, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he spake by the hand of his servant, who? Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, which was of Geth Hefer. So we see there that this Jeroboam, we know that he, uh, he restored the boundaries of Israel. That's one good thing that he did. He didn't do much good, but he did that. But the one that prophesied that, the one that told and announced that was the prophet Jonah. He was the one that did that. And it says here, he, again, he was a very well-respected guy. I guess this is what I'm trying to build that point. He was a choice servant. It says his servant Jonah. Talking about God, his servant Jonah. The prophet, not just a prophet, but he was the prophet for the hour. He was the man of God. He was a prestigious preacher, I guess you could kind of say. So go back to the book of Jonah now. We've looked at the power. We've looked at the prophet. But let's look at this one now. Let's look at his plea. The plea, not his plea, but God's plea. The plea. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh. So the plea there was this, saying, Arise, go. Now, I could imagine Jonah at this point. You can imagine God speaking to Jonah, the prophet. And this is not the first time that God had spoke to Jonah. This is not the first time I'm sure that God had sent Jonah somewhere to declare his, you know, what he wanted to say, declare his word. But look at this. So Jonah had no problem with saying arise and go, arising and going. It's like, okay, I can imagine he was probably sitting there saying, okay, where are we going now? Where are we headed to? But all of a sudden that plea turns into a problem when these words come out of the Lord's mouth. To Nineveh, that great city. Could you imagine? Jonah probably stepped back and said, To Nineveh, our enemy, the one that kills Israelites, the one that is literally uh, running roughshod through the, the, the countrysides through here and, and, and killing and doing all manners of wickedness. You want me to go to Nineveh? Folks, a lot of times we're not, we don't get too upset with God when He asks us to do simple things or things that may be what we're used to. We don't tend, Brother Danny, we don't tend to get too upset with that. Oh, you want me to take up the offer? I can do that. That's okay. Oh, you want me to do this? You want me to give? I, I can give. But I want you to go to that one down in the innermost parts of Chattanooga. I want you to go down there. Or, hey, I want you to go somewhere else. I mean, I, I, we, could, we could mention so many other places that we have a problem with. It's when, it's when God asks us to get out of our comfort zones, that's when we tend to have a problem. When God asks us to do those things, and really you think about where God, that, that saying, where God guides, he will provide. Folks, do you realize that that is a biblical saying? That is Bible. He's not going to send you anywhere that he's not going to supply the need and take care of you. He's going to take care of you. 
so thankful for that. But the problem, again, the place was this place of Nineveh, that great city. Now, here's the thing about that great city. It was a, again, it was a wicked, ungodly city. It was the, basically the capital, capital of the Syrian government, the Syrian nation. And they were a wicked, wicked nation, I'm telling you. Uh, the things that they did are just too much to even mention behind the pulpit tonight. But one of the things that they did do is they were very proficient at skinning people alive and literally using them to light, to, dipping them in oil and using their bodies to light the pathways. It was so, so bad. So God wanted him to go to them. So there was the problem there. I can imagine Jonah was like, now wait, wait a minute. I have a problem with that. I don't care about going, but I've got to choose where I go. Do you know that we have no right to choose where we go? We have no right to choose what we do. We can't tell. Who are we to tell God no? Who are we to say, now listen, I really don't want to do that, but I will do this. Who's in charge? Who's the boss? You could say it that way. So not only the power of the prophet, the plea and the, the, the problem there, but let's move on. Here's, here's something. I do, I do want to mention this one thing. Really, you think about it, the problem really wasn't with the place or the people. It wasn't with Nineveh. It wasn't with the people, the Ninevites, I guess you could say. It wasn't with them. Really, the problem, again, is going back to the prophet. It was him that was the problem. He was the one that would not go and deliver what God had for him to deliver. Really, folks, me and you tonight, your greatest problem is not your neighbor or not the Democrats or not the Republicans or not whoever are the, the sinners of the world. Your greatest problem is that person that you looked in the mirror at before you came here. I am my greatest problem. Me, I get in my way so much, and I get in God's way so much. There's so many times that I have to sit and just say, Lord, get me out of the way. And that's scary sometimes when you, when you pray that type of thing. Lord, get me out of the way. What I mean is just get my flesh out of the way so that I can do your will. Jonah, this is what Jonah was not willing to do. Jonah was not willing, and I see myself, as I told you about expectations, I see myself in this, and hopefully maybe you can see yourself in this too as well. Jonah wasn't willing to give up his opinions. He had his own opinions of those people. There's probably a race here tonight that you probably have an opinion on that you shouldn't have. There's probably a people that you have an opinion on that you probably shouldn't have. May I just say this tonight, and I don't want to be crude or be mean or any, any kind of way or smart aleck in any kind of way sometimes you need to keep your opinions to yourself uh, oftentimes you know I mean it, it's, it's just not good I'll just say it that way I want to move on from there give up his opinions he, was, he wasn't going to be able to give up his opinions that's why he wasn't willing to go he wasn't, he wasn't going to give up his options he had options back there I mean, where he was at. He was in a good place. They, they, had, they adored him. They loved him. He was the, the man of the hour. He, he, was, you know, he was in a good spot. Why should I leave here to go there? Again, God will provide. But his opinions, his options, but also his opportunities. He wasn't willing to give up opportunities. Every single one of us here tonight, we make plans for our life. And, and making plans is not necessarily a good thing. But I'll tell you this. Making plans without the Lord is a bad thing. Always, everything, everything, every moment of your life, every piece of your life, make sure that God is involved with all of it. Every single bit of it. Your, your, your wallet, your pocketbook, your purse, whatever it is, everything, every bit of it, your choices. Every one of your choices ought to be filtered through God's Word. Who you marry. Oh, who you marry. 
ought to be filtered through God's Word. I'm telling you all those different things. But we're going to get to the main point here tonight, and this is this, and I'll be ending with these, this next point. The presence of the Lord in verse 3. It says, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, something about the presence of the Lord is this. There is such a thing as the constant presence of the Lord, the constant presence of the Lord. That means that, uh, you know, as born-again believers, that you are indwelt, that indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit of God, that He will never leave you nor forsake you. There is a constant, perpetual presence of the Lord that's always there. I look at that as the positional presence. To borrow a line from Brother Fleur, it's the positional presence of the Lord. We will never, ever quit being a child of God. That's shouting ground right there, folks, that we'll never, ever stop being a child of God. He'll never say, I'm going to blot you out of the Lamb's book of life. I'm, I'm going to get a, a heavenly eraser and, and erase the blood-written name, your name there. He'll never do that, folks. We're always going to be His child. Always. So I'm thankful for the constant presence of the Lord, His positional presence. If you would, go to Psalm 139 with me. Go to Psalm 139. Hold your place in Jonah and go to Psalm 139. You know these verses, but I want to read them to you in your hearing. Again, this is talking about the constant presence of the Lord. Let's start reading in verse 1. It says, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest me uh, my path, my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways, for there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Whether shall I go from thy spirit, or whether shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. It's not about geography. It's not about where you are in life, what what phase of life you're in, where you are. His presence is always there. You have the constant presence of the Lord. But really what we're speaking about here tonight is this. We're speaking about the conscious presence of the Lord. Where you can feel Him, His conscious presence. I'm talking, and, I'm, and listen, I know it's not all about feelings, but I sure am glad that I can feel Him. I sure am glad when He sweeps through and He sweeps by and He, he makes His presence known. I love those times. This conscious presence, it's, it's really... It's like this. It's, he, what he'll do sometimes is he'll withdraw his peace or his joy, his fellowship sometimes. He'll, re, he'll remove that conscious presence. Now again, he's always constantly present with us. But he'll move that conscious where you, you won't be able to feel him. You'll be wondering where is he. I think about in Psalm 51 where it talks about restoring to me the joy of thy salvation. What happened is this. Did, did God take away David's salvation when he committed all those? Did he? No, not at all. But he removed that fellowship. He removed that peace. He removed that joy. And, and oftentimes, folks, listen, whenever you get in a spot where you're running the opposite direction of God, 
He will remove that joy from you. If you're, if you're able to live in sin, if you're able to revel in sin, by the way, if you're able to post things on Facebook and revel and throw it in people's faces, what you're doing and how you're living, and, and you, you know, you've got that fake, it's not even joy, it's just happiness. It's because of things that are going on in your life. But, but here's the thing, you don't have the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. You may be fooling everybody. You may, be, you may look like everything is, is, is in order, everything is good, everything is grand. But let me say this, the joy of the Lord, you don't have the joy of the Lord when you're moving away from God. Every single one of us, by the way, is either moving to the presence of God or moving from the presence of God. If you look at the book of Jonah, he constantly went down. Anytime you move away from the presence of God, you're going down, folks. You're going down. We need to move toward the presence of God, not away from the presence of God, not from it. So the conscious presence of the Lord. I think about in Genesis 3, verse 8, the seedbed of the Bible, the book of Genesis, where you see the, the presence of the Lord mentioned here. In Genesis 3, 8, it says, you don't have to turn there. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, God, amongst the trees of the garden. Going a little further, Genesis 4, 16, And Cain uh, went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod. Folks, it's because of sin. All those things were because of sin. The devil is always trying to get us away from the presence of the Lord. Do you not realize that tonight? I know you do. I'm telling you, I know I'm telling you something that you already know. But I'm just reminding you tonight that the devil is constantly trying to get us away from the presence of the Lord. So not only his constant presence and his conscious presence, but let's look at this. The presence of the Lord is tied to some things. It's connected to some things that we can see in our life and even see in the word, uh, the book of Jonah here. The presence of the Lord is always tied to the word of the Lord. The presence of the Lord is always tied to the word of the Lord. It's amazing, Brother Danny, that whenever I get away from the word of the, the, word of the Lord, the word of God, that I don't feel His presence. As re- it's not as real. It's always that way. This is elementary. This is very simple. But yet it's, it's so true, folks. Whenever you get away from the Word of God, whenever you allow yourself a couple of days, and folks, I tell you, I don't know how you go a couple of days. Don't go a couple of days. Stay in God's Word again and let it get in you. But the times when you get away, stray away from the Word of God, is whenever His presence in is real. You can sit in a service like this last Sunday morning or Sunday night, and you can sit there and you can kind of look around and say, whoa, why, what, what's going on here? Why are they feeling like this? It could be because you've not been in the Word of God like you should. You're grieving or quenching the Holy Spirit of God in some sort of way. But the presence of the Lord is always tied to the Word of God. So you see, the Word of God is a mirror. We know that in the, it says that in the book of James. And, and we don't like to see ourselves very much. Uh, we don't want to look and have, have our sin revealed to us. That's why many times we don't get in the Word of God. Psalm 119, verse 9, Wherewithal shall young men cleanse his ways by taking heed thereunto according to thy word. Not only is the presence of the Lord tied to the word of God, but it's also tied to this. It's also tied to the will of God. And we see here that Jonah absolutely went away from the will of God. Anytime you see yourself going away from the word of God, you're going to be going away from the will of God. Folks, the will of God is so important. It's so important. I don't, as I look through the audience tonight, I don't know the will of God for everybody. I don't. Sometimes I wonder if I, don't, if I even know the will of God for myself sometimes. But here's the thing. I want to know the will of God. I seek God's will. 
I want to follow after His will. Do you want to follow after His will? Do you want to follow after His presence? Again, in His presence is His will. Being in His presence, being in His Word. So it's tied, again, to the will of the Lord. I want you to go to chapter 2 of Jonah real quickly here. We'll read a few verses. We're kind of winding down now. Again, talking about the presence of the Lord. How important it is. It's imperative, you could say it that way. So it's tied to the will of God or connected to the will of God. Chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 4. Start out reading in verse 4. So we see here in verse 1 it says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. And isn't it amazing that God made that his prayer room? I mean, God got it. I tell you what, God got Jonah's attention, didn't he? God will get our attention when we start stepping away from the presence of the Lord. I'm so glad that like that, that heavenly shepherd, that good shepherd, that great shepherd, what he does is just like a shepherd goes after the sheep, that's what God does with me and you when we start straying away. Now sometimes he'll let us get a little while, get, get, a, little, get, get a little further away, but he's always there. He's always got his eyes upon us. He always knows where we're at. He never loses sight of us. But sometimes he'll let us stray a little while, let us live in that, let us come to ourselves, and and, and then he'll be there. He'll be right there. But what I see here is this. I see that Jonah, in this chapter, again, this is the prayer that Jonah prayed out of the the fish's, the great fish's belly. And look what what he did. You know, really, truly, the greatest miracle in the book of Jonah was not Jonah being swallowed by a fish. The greatest miracle in the book of Jonah is that God listened to Jonah. The greatest miracle in our lives, folks, is this besides salvation, is that God, the heavenly heavenly Father, would listen to me and you. That He would even cup His ear toward us and even have anything to do with us. I've said this many times, and I'll get to this point in just a minute, but I believe the Lord wants me to say this. I've said this quite often that if I was God I wouldn't put up with nothing I wouldn't put up with nothing I wouldn't have put up with me I can tell you that much I've been squashing some people if I was God you fail me I did all this for you I gave my only begotten son for you I know I've been a little comical but in all seriousness if I mean if I had given what God had given he had given his best he which was very, very rich became very, very poor that we that were very, very poor could be become very, very rich Literally, the the Prince of Heaven left everything for me and you. If he had done all that, folks, I tell you, uh, you know, I wouldn't put up with much. But God listens to Jonah. He listens. That's the greatest miracle. But let me move on a little bit further here. In verse 4, again, talking about how that the will of God is tied to the presence of God. Verse 4 says, Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Look what it says here. Yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. Could it be that Jonah here where it says, I will look again toward thy holy temple? Could it be that that verse in Hebrews where it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Folks, by the way, that's something that we need to constantly be doing. Looking. That that is constant. That's a constant thing. Looking. Continuously looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one that shoots the gun in this race of life. He shoots the gun, and then he jumps in the race with you, and he runs the race with you. Then at the finish line, he's the one holding the finish tape. Then he's the one there that congratulates you. He's at all points in our life, folks. There's never a point where his presence isn't there. But what I'm getting at is this. We see here that I believe what has taken place, and I hope I'm not reading too much into this. I don't believe that I am, but I believe that what he's done is he's gotten his eyes off of the Lord. Why do I say that? Go to verse 7. It says, When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. 
So it's almost like that it took this situation for him to start remembering who the Lord was and, and thinking about his presence. Again, looking unto Jesus, the author, finisher of our faith. But we can go on and what it says in verse 9, it says, But I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that, that, that I have owed, or vowed, excuse me, salvation is of the Lord. That's really truly the theme of this book as well. Salvation is of the Lord. We see that, that also the, the uh, presence of God it is tied with the worship of God as well. Jonah started worshiping in that uh, great fish's belly. He did. Let's move on a little bit here. Not only is the presence of God, the presence of the Lord tied uh, to the Word of God and the will of God, but it's also tied to this. It's tied to the witness for the Lord. The witness for the Lord. God has called me and you to witness. Say, preacher, right there, I'm going I'm to turn you off right there. I'm on up in years. I've done my part. It's time for the young crowd to come along and take up the slack. Does it ever say, and I'm, I'm, I may be repeating a little bit of what Brother Josh said, and I'm not trying to re-preach his message. I tell you what, if, I, if I'd had my way tonight, we would just come in here and push play on Brother Josh Hill's message from last Wednesday, play it over again. I'll, I will say this. Listen, go back and listen to that message again. I listened to it for the first time today. I was out preaching last Wednesday night, and it is convicting, folks. Folks, we are called to witness for the Lord. If you want to feel His presence, witness, tell others about the Lord. That's when, I, that's when I feel His presence the most is when I'm able, when God actually uses us and allows us to, to preach His Word or teach His Word or, or just simply give a testimony. But look what it says here, the witness for the Lord. I want to point out a few things and we'll be done. In chapter 3, look at verse 2. It says, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach Unto, the, unto, unto it, the preaching that I bid thee. Let me read that verse 2 again. Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. I see three words that I want to deal with just very quickly here. The three words are this. The first word that I see is this. I see the word arise. And that is a word of awakening. The word arise. I can't help but go to, thir- to Romans 13, verse 11. It says, And that knowing the time, that now is it high time to awake out of the sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of, uh, of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Make, known, uh, make no provision for the flesh. Excuse me. You can see in that. You can see that we're to wake up, we're to clean up, we're to dress up, and we're to grow up. Literally there is what it says. But that word arise, again, is a word of awaking. I think that, that we have a lot of sleepy saints today. A lot of sleepy saints. I've been that way myself. I've let the devil rock me to sleep on more than one occasion. Just let him just kind of just get, get comfortable, I guess is what you, what you could say. But let me just say this again. We're to arise. We're to go. You have to wake up. You've got to get out of... And, and that's what happened to Jonah. Jonah had to wake up. He had to kind of get back to, in focus, I guess you could say. Then we see the next word, the word go. Go is mentioned 1,544 times in the King James Bible. You think it's important for God that we go? If he mentions it that many times. Folks, if he had mentioned it one singular time, it would be important. But he mentions it 1,544 times. The, the, the Word of God says go. You think about that word go, we, we see it in the word good, we see it in the word God, we see it in the word godliness, we see it in the word gospel, the word goal. We're to have the goal of going out and witnessing. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. 
Mark 5, 19, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home uh, to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. Say, preacher, it's just too hard to go. Folks, think about if you don't go. I think about the people... I think about the people in Nineveh because you think about this. Jonah's trip was delayed. Brother Paul, it was delayed. He took a little bit of time that he shouldn't have. Brother Dave, he was delayed in his travel. Think about the people in Nineveh that passed away that went to hell. Think about the people that me and you, that God put it. We know that he put his finger on them and said, I want you to witness to that person. I've done this before. And it's heartbreaking whenever you get that phone call or you see an email and say that that individual that you know that God dealt with you about going to talk to and they've already passed away. And you've got to sit there and wonder, where did they go? Did they go to hell or did they go to heaven? Where did they go? And sit there and wonder, is their blood going to be on our hands? Folks, he says, arise and go. We could give you so many more scriptures about going, but let's, let's look at this next one. Preach. The preacher, well, I definitely can check that one off. I, I'm not called to preach, but we're, we may not all be called to preach. But let me just say this. That doesn't lessen what you're supposed to do for the Lord. That doesn't take you out of the category of going. That doesn't take you out of the category of arising and, and, and doing it. You know, every single one of us has a mission. Every single, every single one of us has something that the Lord wants us to do. All of us do. This is a word of assignment. Arise was a word of awakening. Go is a word of advancement. By the way, we're to advance. Preach is a word of assignment. And what are we to preach? We're to preach the truth. Just tell people the truth, folks. Just tell them the truth. Tell them what God has done for you. Think about it this way. What is it that a witness does? What is it that a witness does? A witness just simply tells what God has done for them. I can't tell what God's done for you. I mean, if I've heard your testimony and things like that, but what I can tell somebody is I can tell them what God has done for me. 